Hey everybody, and welcome to the Darkcast. I'm your host Jonathan, and this is DCI number 114. In this episode, Brian and I talk to Dexter Chow of Codex Worlds to discuss their new game, Infinium Strike. Infinium Strike is a tower defense-like game in space, but um, but it's not just a tower defense game. It is a an action strategy game that sounds really fantastic. You can find out more information about it in the show notes of this episode on DarkStation.com. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoy this episode. Now on with the show. All right, Dexter, well, thank you so much for, for joining us on the Darkcast. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, thanks. Glad to be here. Glad, well, glad to have you. Glad to have you. Now, we are, we're here to talk about Infinium Strike, which is going to be showing up at PAX here in just a little while. Uh, yep. But uh, before people can get their hands on it, let's, let's talk a little bit about that. But before we talk about that... I'm backtracking myself here. Uh, before we talk about that, let's talk a little bit about who you are and and what you do at uh, Codex Worlds. So uh, I, I'm a longtime gamer, like uh, m- most of your fans, um, and I I feel like the day of the indie is here, um, and 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 really the the excitement to kind of start my own company started at Garage Games. Uh, many of you may know that uh, Garage Games was one of the early pioneers of uh, indie tools and engines um, with Torque. And I was there for a few years, and and after that ended, I felt, about three years ago, I felt like it was finally uh, time for me to, to start a company with, with a couple of friends, a couple of engineering and, and artist friends. And like a lot of other indies, we were had a lot of ideas, but we had to build a company. And, and we've been building a company for the last three years, and we're um, at a, just about 30 people now, and Infinium Strike is our first project. Very cool. Very cool. So um, is is Infinium Strike your brainchild, or, or where did the, the idea of the game kind of come from? So uh, I'll tell you a little bit about my background. Um, I've mostly worked on strategy games. I'm more of a producer, designer type. Uh, I've, I've worked at um, SSI for... for all you um, beer and pretzel gamers. Um, so I worked on Warlords. If you like, like Heroes of Might and Magic type of games, uh, nice. turn-based and real-time strategy games. It's a little bit dated now. I'm dating myself. I've been in the industry <laughs> for for a long time, but but I like strategy games. I like role-playing games as well. Um, and I uh, might I felt like um, the, the 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 tactical space genre um, it was just a lot of it was big scale. Um, really, you know, take over galaxies or, or, or big simulation. And I felt like, you know, it would be really fun to do a game where you just try to protect your ship. And you have, what, what's, uh, what's, what are all the weapons and what are, what are all the technologies you would like to have to stay alive as long as you can? And, and then I started thinking about, like, strategy and tactics and how we could pull together a game like that. And I'll go into more detail later, but but it, it is, uh, uh, I mean, we have a big group here. We have a lot of great designers. Um, but this first product was, I was a creative director, and, and I, I, I um, feel like this um, is the kind of game that, that, that is the game that I want to play. And so. Hmm. Very cool. Very cool. Now, what, what came first? Did, 
did you build the studio around making this game or did you start making the studio and then eventually decide that this was the game that you wanted to be your first game? Uh, good question. Um, I, we knew we wanted to do a strategy game because uh, the scale was, was we, uh, obviously we started with a much smaller group. We started with about six people and uh, you know, doing an RPG or anything of the sort would have been too big uh, at the time. We weren't sure about funding and how Kickstarter would work and all that kind of fun stuff that indies go through. Um, so we, uh, we, 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 we started the, the company and we looked at the strategy game genres and we looked at the different platforms and we decided to uh, start with Steam PC and we decide, uh, decided to start with this, this, this idea of doing a, a space tactical um, I like to call it a space tactical action game because there's, there's, it's not turn-based. There's actually a lot of action in it. So, hmm. so it's a hybrid game. Sure, sure. I like that space tactical action. It's almost like, like Metal Gear in space. <laughs> well, I'm ready great to take it. Hybrids, right? It, it, That's right. Know, yeah, a lot of games add. I mean, I would even argue that, you know, games like, um, you know, uh, Metal Gear Solid, uh, as you mentioned, um, it's it's not just an adventure game. I mean, there there's a lot of it's not just it's certainly not a shooter. I mean, it'd be a shame to call a game like that a shooter. I mean, there's there's a lot of tactics, there's a lot of planning, there's a lot of storytelling, and that's what um, I, we hope our game has some of those elements as well. Um, and people people can see that we're just not a simple like arcade game or action game. Uh, we tried we tried to add a lot of tactics in it and and resource management and and. And, and some arcade action, so so a little of everything. Very cool, very cool. Now, now, how did you get into the uh, the games industry? You mentioned you've you've kind of been around in it a while. How how did you how did you get to this point? So um, I was in college, and I graduated in '91 to give you an idea. And um, the the opportunities for me back then were more around business. I was never really the programmer type or the artist type. So, so I went and got my business, my marketing degree, but I, you know, I told my, my family and friends, I, I just, I want to get into games. And so um, I decided to go into marketing games. And so I stopped, my first job was at Burderbund, uh, people who do Prince of Persia and Myst. Uh, hmm. They also did things like, um, uh, uh, they, they, did, they did tons of like uh, utility software, uh, print shop, th- things like that. And, and so they're a really big company back then. So I started off in marketing, and I worked on on, on a few uh, really big marketing titles um, that had to do with like like CD-ROM, uh, Living Books. Uh, uh, the the precursor to Miss was uh, the product called Splunk. So I worked on that, um, and and um, and from there I, I moved over to production. I worked in marketing for a few, and I never left. So I, I did uh, my production there. And we went through some changes in the industry, uh, a couple of buyouts, a couple of different, you know, different kind of um, scenarios. I ended up, uh, as I mentioned, uh, working at SSI. Uh, but I also, uh, uh, after that, that, that got bought up a few times. I ended up at Ubisoft. And so, and so that's kind of my background. I'm, again, more of a producer, designer type. Uh, uh, but I love just, like, working with people, working with the programmers and the artists and kind of pulling together the vision and kind of managing things. Uh, you know, tactically and 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 really, you know, we um, we spend a lot of time thinking about games that obviously are games that we want to play, but also games that are just not being done yet. And 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 again, that's that's a that's a tall order. We realize as as a team, we get you know that's a bit um, tall to say, hey, let's work on games that no one's ever played. 
But you know, if you put, you know, we we have fun talking about these things and say, you know, we don't, we we can be original. Let let's really try to do that, and and the audience will let us know whether we've been original enough uh, with our title. But but so far so good. I mean, and we can talk more later about, about Kickstarter and all that stuff and how that went. So beta beta testing, we've done a lot of beta testing. So sure, sure. Um, if we can go back in, in time just a little bit, what mm-hmm. where was the actual transition from kind of the um, marketing side uh, of video games to the production side? Um, what how did that how did that work out for you? Because we've we've heard some interesting stories over the years of you know just you know kind of just randomly you know stroke of luck being able to to work on a game. How, sure. how did that work for you? Uh, kind of switching sides there. You know it was. Um... It was a comfortable transition because being being a, a, a hardcore gamer, um, even though I had a marketing degree and that's kind of what my background was and, and I was doing, I was enjoying it and, and, and really excited about the products that were being made. Um, production is, is where uh, I really wanted to be eventually. So it's a, it, was a question, it was a question of when I made that transition. And, and what mm-hmm. actually happened was I spent about four years and then um, my my boss, uh, the, the publisher uh, Ken Goldstein of, of the host studio, said, you know, we're looking for um, to sign this new kind of group, um, and they're 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 out of Hollywood. They're, this is a time where digital video was getting really popular. This was, oh gosh, this was um, you know ninety four ninety five. And you know, QuickTime was really big, and, and you know, there were a lot of bad products like Sewer Shark and and, and and Night Trap and and all these other you know bad video titles and Broderbund really wanted to make a splash and uh, we all know Mist that was one title and I, and they wanted to work on this other title and they wanted to get kind of a fresh uh, new producer and and of course I had never produced a game and, and and he came up to me Ken came up to me and said you know we we, we think you'd be good at, at at managing this title with with this group that you know they're great filmmakers but they don't know a lot about games and obviously you you love games. And the first thing I said to him was, why me? You have a dozen producers that have tons of experience. And, and he said, well, you know, sometimes you want to shake it up. And, and But he just said, you know, no one's done this stuff. Um, you know, digital video is new to everybody, and there's more bad products than good. And so we, you know, and he showed um, some confidence that, that I could uh, create something with this team. And that kind of the rest is history. That was my first title. I joined as producer, which was just a huge, like, I can't believe I was, you know, kind of doing marketing last month, and now I'm, I'm managing a, a, a team and, and trying to get this new, new genre, trying to break this new genre. But on top of that, within a couple of months, I became the lead designer. So talk about pressures. <laughs> so then I was lead designer. And, uh, and it was, just to put it simply, it was kind of an OJ type. The funny thing is we started before the whole OJ thing. But when we finished, OJ thing had already happened during development. So everybody thinks we copied OJ. But it was it was a, it was a courtroom drama where we we would um, actually do branching storylines, and then at the end you get a verdict. So it's it's great for drama. We we, we had this great um, filmmakers uh, Peter Adair and Amy Armstrong. They're they're actually um, a really uh, popular uh, documentary documentary filmmakers, and so. So, so again, I was kind of the the game side of that, and trying to trying to work with the engineers and artists to kind of help with design and, and management. So we ended up uh, releasing the title, and it got some really good critical acclaim, and 
and actually, you know, game, uh, we had coverage in like computer gaming world back in the day and, and not too many of these. When they were mentioned, most of the digital video products were really slammed and, and they actually liked the trailer. So that was, that was quite satisfying. And, and, and like I said, I, I haven't looked back since. I've, I've worked mostly, you know, producing titles since then. So. Very cool. That is. Was there ever a point when you were kind of, you know, like, and like you said, you were kind of selected as like, hey, I think you could do this. This would be great. And then you went on to for like you know like design. Was there ever a point during that whole process where you were like, I I don't know if I can actually do this. You know, honestly, if anybody's honest with you, they'll tell you you get that all the time in game development. I mean, if you're <laughs> unless you're doing like a clone or something, I mean, I think it's you know I think it makes you um, look for uh, validation from from consumers and from other team members, and I, I really believe. In getting feedback, uh, I, I guess there are uh, some people who who have more of the director model, and, and it's like, look, you know, whatever he or she says goes. But I think I, I definitely have had lots of doubts uh, in my career, and and you know, uh, all, all I have to say is I, I do I do feel like that that's my talent, though. Uh, meaning, I, I do feel like I, I people like to work with me, and I like to work with people, and I'm very sincere about the types of products I want to work on. And and I, I've been very, very lucky to be associated with the right companies that could put me in touch with, you know, like I mentioned, Warlords. Um, that's, that I, I was working with Steve Faulkner for, you know, almost seven, uh, seven titles. So six or seven, yeah, seven titles over, gosh, um, eight years, something like that. So, so you get to work with uh, people you really respect and that's, you know, that's um, uh, to get back to your question. You you do need to get over those times where you have self doubt. But I think people who don't have any self doubt don't don't might not get the feedback they need to kind of validate these crazy ideas we have as, as game designers and producers. Sure, sure. That's that's fantastic. I you, give you some examples. Do you want some examples? Uh, don't want sure. to have too yeah. much time. Go, well, go for it. Yeah, far away. Yeah, well, um, I, one product I work, w- worked on um, was the the first. Um, I worked on Pool of Radiance. Uh, if you if you are D and D guy, yes, and, absolutely. And the first third edition game. Um, it was um, right after Baldur's Gate Two, uh, which was second edition. And you know, we approached uh, Wizards of the Coast, and you know, and said we want to uh, do the first uh, third edition. You know, little did we know, <laughs> and it, you know, and. It, it was as crazy as you can imagine, right? They're they're developing. You know, we're we're already in the business where we're creating the camera while we're trying to film the movie. So so we're creating the technology, and, and here they're like creating the rule set, and so they, so they're fastening us new rules, and we have to like look at all the programming and how does cleave work and how all these things work. And yeah, not only and, that, um, but you guys were also competing with the fact that it was pools of radiance. I mean, that was one of the better known like modules, as it were. Absolutely. So to, to do that in, in third edition, I mean, that was that was great. Yeah, and we and not only that, but we, uh, you know, and, and some of the decisions, like the littlest things, uh, come back to bite us. Uh, one one example would be like we were we 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 had figured out the save game system, and it was like okay, well, we have this sort of portal system, and and you basically get to certain points in the in the um, in in the uh, dungeon, and and you would go back to town, and all that stuff, right? And that all really made sense on paper. When we actually started making the game, we 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 had focused so much on size that, that it turned out the 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 save points were too far away and all this kind of stuff. And 
and it's like okay well let's let's just change it and 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 the programmer went white and it was like well what why is why what what's the big deal i mean just just change the save point because that's not how we programmed it and so it was literally like okay well i mean as you can imagine these role-playing games keep track of a lot of data and, and, and engineers kind of figure out a data structure and and that was not the data structure and it was not very flexible at all and and that probably added about three months but but those are things where you you really go wow uh we thought we had it but we didn't and either we ship a game that people will either think it's way too easy or too hard or you, we, 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 we fix it, and so we decide to fix it. So, you know, I, I'm definitely of the mind of taking extra time and trying to fix it. Um, you can you can certainly overdo it, and, and many games, um, um, you know, spend many years being late, and and there's a there's a financial cost to that. But I also believe that sometimes you you know you have to make those hard calls to get the quality up. So a bit a bit trite, but it but it's true. Uh, you do you do run into that quite often, right? You either put more time into it or you you fix it in the patch so um so that's that's a quite quite a common thing sure sure you mentioned that you were at uh ubisoft for a little while as well um anything of note that you uh you worked on there that you really enjoyed yeah um well i uh you know ubisoft acquired might might magic and here's a might magic while i was there i was in charge of that i brought that in i was charging that for a while it ended up going to a different group later but uh, I, I had that and worked on some 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 early concept design for that. Uh, I ran into a lot of the Japanese stuff. Um, we brought in a lot like Ape Escape. We brought in Grandia. A lot of a lot of those titles were in my group. I won't take uh, personal um, credit for it, but um, you know we had, you know, I managed kind of a group of of, of people. I you know, so I was I was executive producer, which means that I managed a you know group of of, of producers and designers and, and developers. And so, um, so I, I definitely want to want to um, acknowledge that that a lot of these were, were group efforts. But, but I, I just love, uh, like a lot of gamers, I just love like like some of the classic uh, Japanese games, like Final Fantasy, and and you know you know um, a lot of the um, the early Metal Gears and and, and a lot a lot of the, the tactical stuff that they came up uh, with um, early on, like like Final Fantasy Tactics is. It just really, really um, uh, made big impressions on me. So, so I tried to, you know, I uh, was lucky enough to to manage that that business at, at Ubisoft, among other things. So, it, it was a really, really good time there. Cool, very cool. I am I am automatically into uh, any designer who cites Final Fantasy Tactics as a a positive reference. It is a, it is a fantastic game. It is probably one of my favorite Final Fantasies. It was really exciting. I love I love that game. Nice. Very cool. Now, now, what about the the team that you have um, currently at at Codex? Uh, how how big are you guys? Um, you said you've been around for what two two years? Uh, almost three. Yeah, almost, almost three. three. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we're you know we're just counting development. We're we're about twenty five people now. Um, if you okay. include everybody else, we have we do some of our own uh, you know kind of publishing website stuff. We're about thirty. Uh, and we have we're, we're art heavy. Uh, we I definitely wanted a, a very strong art. We we decided to do 3D, uh, and we wanted to do um, you know I'm used to doing bigger games, so it's a bit it's a bit of a tricky walk there, right? Because you know the 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 most common mistake uh, developers make is their 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 eyes are, are bigger than their stomach, right? So. Mm-hmm. I, sure. I, 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 but I have a lot of experience working with with shoestring budgets and and, and getting um, really high quality games with uh, just 
just trying to have really tight vision and and I can't say we're perfect for sure. We're, but but as far as the, the the type of people we have, like um, we we have like like uh, you know Thomas Conco um, was uh, the lead animator and art director of Dragon's Lair, so he's a classically trained animator and he he heads up our animation group. Uh, we have um, you know sort of a lot of traditional kind of uh, you know kind of art talent as well. Like for example, the person who does our interface. Uh, uh, Rand, Randolph is is um, he, he's he's traditionally trained from Hallmark, so he's worked on their web stuff. He's worked on actual fonts and stuff like that, and helps with usability and logos and and, and things like that. We have lots of engineering talent, um, and, and 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 it was really important for me to hire indies, right, to team up with indies. So we have uh, like Michael Baker is my my the production lead for our company, and he's been a long time indie. He's done. Uh, you know, like like Unity, um, uh, uh, what do they call them? The the, the Unity um, uh, training camps and, and, and mm-hmm. things like that. So, and he's also worked on like high end uh, uh, graphic stuff for OpenGL. And and so, so um, so I so I, I really feel like we have a, a good mixture of about a third of veterans, like people with with twenty plus years experience, and about. A third of a little bit of experience, a couple of years, and then a third of total newbies. You know, people that we got right out of school. Uh, my nephew is a as a master rank StarCraft player. Never programmed a day in his life. Uh, he he you know, we trained him and he trained himself and and now he's our lead programmer. So, a lot, lot of great stories, a little anecdote of stories and in our team and 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 we're um, we're we're glad to be very diversified in both our talent and our experience. Um, Excellent. Excellent. Well, I I guess it's time then to uh, to actually delve into Infinium Strike. So if you could kind of give us, I guess, starting off just the the elevator pitch, what is Infinium Strike? Yes. And and this could be a very long elevator (laughs) ride, but I'm going to keep it short. Um, and we, it's we've both a lot played of the practice. first Mass Effect. We've, we're familiar with long elevator rides. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I prefer long elevator rides, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, well, we'll see how it goes, <laughs> then. We'll see how it goes. So so basically, the the idea is... So our, 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 our descriptor of the game is tactical starship defense. So you can kind of think about that. It, it is a strategy game at its core. Uh, you make a lot of decisions. You have a lot of different weapons. Uh, you have categories of weapons. Uh, and but essentially you're protecting your 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 ship and it, and it, it's a it's a big ship it's the biggest ship ever made it's going to save humanity and all that fun stuff and so it has all this great technology but but we also recognize that we we love like having uh, tower defense style games so uh, we did have a lot this is not a solely a tower defense game for sure but there there's a, you know when you put down the turrets you don't target them they they target the enemies automatically so you know technically it's tower defense however you have your entire fleet so you have the three different ships and you send you, you build them up you upgrade them you send them out when you need them in certain sectors and we also have uh, uh, several technologies uh, where where you actually um, actually take out you know whole groups of ships um, using the shield shot which takes a third of your shields and it takes out a whole quadrant of ships or we have the sentry satellite where you can precisely place it in a certain sector and, and, and pick out those those little ships that are nipping at you or go way in the back and get those those battleships that are kind of bombarding you from afar. So really kind of fine-tune 
uh, your strategy, and and we also have this this concept of lanes. So one one tester described it as well. It's kind of like playing four tower defense games with, with with a little bit of arcade action to kind of add to it. And so it's like so that that's the long elevator pitch. Is it, it's a it's a we like to fall back on tactical starship defense elements of 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 strategy and and, and action. Nice, very nice. Now how. How does a game that even partially can be described as a tower defense game work in outer space when things can be coming at you from from any direction? That was the biggest um, problem we had to solve in as a design team early on because obviously you don't have sort of the view top down. It's usually top down, and you sort of see these lanes, and you kind of see the choke points, and you pop down turrets. You don't have any of that because you don't you don't have lanes in a 3D space. Um, but we made the actual quadrant like like you have four directions right north, south, east, west. We made those the lanes. So if you can imagine taking uh, the camera perspective and the enemies that come at you all they never leave their lanes. So once you kind of figure that out, it's like okay, well now we also have this concept of distance, and we know from playing games like Plants vs Zombies very important to understand distance from where the enemies are coming how fast they are do they leap do they you know what 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 is their particular um attack style that you have to compensate for and we have sectors so we have quadrants which are lanes and then we have sectors which are distance from your ship which actually corresponds to a radar right where so we actually have a radar mode where you can, you can see the entire map it's called a, a tactical map you can see the entire battlefield, I should say, and, and all directions, all ships, all portals. And so you can see what's going on at any time with one click, and then you go right back into the action. And the fact that it's 3D, like when I play kind of strategy games, uh, whether it be RTS or certainly tower defense games, I like to watch the action, right? You grab all your units, send them into someone's base, and just take like 10 or 20 seconds to enjoy the, the mayhem, right? And so uh, what, we, what we found was now that we're in 3D, we actually have an advanced camera mode where you can take the camera out and you can watch the enemies warping in through the portals and watch your, your ships kind of come or, or, or your weapons, your mortar shots being your long range railgun shooting a mortar shot, it hitting the ship. And you can upgrade your turrets and everything while your camera stays in, in outer space, like whatever view you want, it's full 3D, you know, space. So, so that's um, so that's how we solved that. Is 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 we we made sure that we respected the core rules of tower defense. In that, you know, you need to you need to use certain turrets for certain ships. You need to respect distance, and you need to respect the the lanes or or, the, or what we call quadrants. Very cool. Now, so so they're only coming. They're coming in 365 degrees, but they're they're not coming from above or below, correct? Okay. Correct. Yeah, so they come the cardinal direction. Gotcha. Correct. Okay. And they stay again. They stay in there, so you can plan tactics, right? Oh, there there's 14 battleships coming through the, this portal. Or, well, you you don't actually know that, but they start like, accumulating. You can actually count them if mm-hmm. you want. But obviously, as, as as they kind of build up, you, you start getting more vulnerable. W- w- by uh, from certain attacks and so so then you can you can there's one ship so so the the, the battleships shoot a lot of projectiles at you right so so what you can do is you can send out the star void which its specialty is it doesn't even attack the ships all it does is attack projectiles 
So you send a couple of those out, and then you take out four, five, six uh, projectiles, and, and those ships kind of stay around for, for 25, 30 seconds and, and basically protect your ship from dozens of projectiles because you were, you were, you were um, wise enough to plan, you know, to, to see the, the danger that's coming, and, and you have rock, paper, scissor, right? You have the right um, an, antidote for all those, all those. If you don't do it, you're, you have like 10 or 12 battleships just unleashing their their armament on you, it's not going to be a happy uh, ending here. So, what what guns do I use to protect myself from the large space worms? Um, so, uh, so those are so scary. We have, um, we have three classes of of, of, of enemy ships. Uh, we have fighters, cruisers, and battleships, and they correspond with sector one, sector two, and sector three. And so with the Sector uh, 3 ships um, exclusively stay in Sector 3, obviously they're coming through portals, so there's also fighters and, and cruisers coming through, but they're in transit, so you can still shoot them in transit. That's another tactic is you, you, there, there's one turret called the Superpose, which only shoots in the third sector, but it shoots anything in the third sector, So, which is kind of clever. If you put two or three of them together, then they're shooting kind of almost randomly, but they can shoot some of the fighters, some of the cruisers, some of the big ships. Obviously, the downside to that is it's not as powerful as a long-range railgun, which shoots a radioactive mortar shell. And that thing does five times the damage of a, of a single laser shot. And But that one only targets battleships. Hmm. So in other words, you can really uh, develop a strategy of, I want to take out those battleships as quickly as possible but if you do that, it, the long-range railgun would not be uh, targeting the smaller ships that are transiting through that sector, right? Because they're coming from the same portal, same area where, the, where all the portal, all the ships are pulling in. And so that's one strategy. And the second thing uh, I should mention is that if you put two turrets next to each other that are the same, you get like a 20% bonus on speed and damage. And you put three together... And, and so on, and so there's a bit of tactic management of where you put the turrets and when you sell and when you kind of beef it up. Every turret has five levels of, of, of damage it can do, so you constantly get more resources. You decide which ones you want to upgrade or you want to sell and change your tactics. And so that's how you sort of decide which turrets you use for what situations, and in many cases you have more than one option. Um, there's there, there, there's one other uh, way to kind of deal with everything is um, we have a, what's called a regression cannon. And what it does, it, it bas basically sends all the enemy ships back through time. And so they regress to a lower state. So all the ships in one quadrant will actually, once it shoots, they'll go, if they're all level five, they go down to level four. Hmm. And then if it shoots again, they go down to level three. So there, there's another tactic where instead of, a, of, of deciding on one sector to focus on, I, I just want to lower them, make them all weaker, so they don't do as much damage to me when if stuff does get through. So, so there's quite a, quite a few different tactics people can use in, in our game. Very nice, very nice. Now, uh, how do you go about actually placing stuff to uh, defend your ship? Because normally, you know, you've got a set path that you're kind of putting stuff along to to fire on the, uh, the enemies as they're coming in. Is it completely freeform? Can you put stuff wherever you want to? Um, if you choose a particular weapon, is it always going to be like at such and such a range? Is it, are all the weapons always going to be yep. attached to your ship and just their range? Yep. Like, how, how does all that work? 
as, as far as how we designed the um, the combat for the game, uh, we, we did go through a, n- a number of different uh, iterations on design. It, we decided that the simplest was best, um, and we have a system where you, you do pick from eight different turrets, and you put them down in any order you want, and there's bonuses uh, if you double them up, and so there's some planning involved, and turrets also upgrade. And and each uh, there's there's four directions and there's four turret banks and so it all makes a lot of sense. Um, you can also send out your fleet ships into any of the four quadrants, uh, in any of the four directions, uh, and you can also use your what we call super tech TSF super tech um, Terran Space Force. That's the acronym for the good guys, mm-hmm. and um, that you can send those uh, into any of the four quadrants. And so there there's quite a bit of tactical management for example one of our weapons is a decoy satellite and what what the decoy satellite does is you send it out and everything in the that quadrant follows it and so even even projectiles all these missiles are coming at you all these little ships are picking at your shield and these and and, and the big ships are shooting their their giant like mortar shots at you and then all of a sudden they start hitting this decoy thing not only that but they start turning around and following it and now your turrets are kind of Shooting, shooting the backsides of these ships and, and taking advantage of that, and so, so there's quite a few like cool, cool technologies um, that the ship has at, at, at its disposal. And what's nice is that the resource systems are all separate. So in other words, um, when you're when you're spending Infinium to upgrade your turrets to make them more powerful or to build the more powerful turrets, you're not taking away from your ability to send out more 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 fleet ships or more powerful fleet ships. And you're also not impeding your ability to send out the next decoy satellite. And so there, there are three separate resource systems that obviously you have to manage. You don't get all of them at once and all that, but you have to upgrade those as well. But 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 that's part of the tactics. They all kind of work symbiotic. What, what, what kind of resources are we actually talking about here? Because that sounds like a crazy amount of, um, you know, like, like space tech. Yeah. Um, into like building these and sending these out and making sure this is all ready. Like yep. what's what is what beyond being a tr- tremendous like industrial complex? What is the freedom strategy? Yep. So we we simplified that re- really down to the bare bones of Infinium. So Infinium is our only kind of high tech terminology, and just think of it as liquid metal. It's 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 a mineral that is used to make kind of you know kind of this liquid metal that can form ships and build turrets on the fly. So think of it as a giant like futuristic printer. Like you're printing these drone ships, like predator ships. You're printing them on the fly. You're you're creating these giant turrets that get mounted automatically out of thin air, because you you're 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 using this kind of liquid metal to both make these new armament uh, using you know quote unquote futuristic printing, but you're also repairing your ship. And so you can use the finium to to keep the battle going on. And I mentioned you have three different resources. When I say you have three different resources, it's not like water, wood, and gold. It's mm. more like, okay, well, that's the one resource we have, and the other two are time. And so the fleet points, you get one per second. So in 60 seconds, you get 60 fleet points. And to set out, send out the Star Avenger, which is the battleship killer, it's about 40 uh, fleet points, so you wait 40 seconds. Um, and you can upgrade that, and you can upgrade to like level two, level three, and, and that's also fleet points, so it's all self-contained. And then all your super tech abilities are uh, need need to be charged up, and they all take ninety seconds to charge up. So once you upgrade 
when you upgrade Freedom Strike, it also opens up more super tech, and then you have to wait 90 seconds for your first super tech to come available. So if you're level three, you get three super techs. Level five, you get five super techs. But every 90 seconds, it comes back around. So again, you have this kind of, you know, anybody who's played like Diablo and you try to manage your cooldowns, very similar feel to that. But again, we, we, we felt like, like we didn't want the player to have to manage the, okay, what is one Star Avenger equal to how many turrets and how, you know, so none of that. It's all discreet. And, and like I said, once you get your, your mind around, okay, Infinium lets me build ships and build turrets. I, I'm sorry. When I say build ship, the technology is there, but the fleet points are all you need. You don't actually use Infinium out of your pool to build the ships. You just use the fleet points. Hmm. So, and, and similarly for the turrets, you use uh, Infinium, or this living metal, to kind of build and upgrade turrets. So, not to not to belabor the liquid metal point, but I'm only familiar with two different kinds of liquid metal, and. Both of those made Terminators. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think the liquid metal was more akin to Michael Patrick T1000 or the Christina Loken like super crazy Terminator Three Terminator? Right, right. Well, believe me, it, it's um, liquid metal is a convenient term, but it, it basically describing uh, uh, an ability for a ship to to repair and create weapons on the fly. I mean, that's pretty high tech, but considering no super high tech. Yeah, but considering what we're doing with, uh, with, with again, with these, these printed technologies now, you know, we're printing like, like human body parts, right? So it's actually, uh, it, it's set 170 years from now. So, you know, I think it's possible. Sure. Sure. Now, uh, in the game universe, we, we discovered Infinium from the, uh, the antagonist race, uh, the ROG, correct? We, we, we discover uh, a cache, uh, like, like went out of the salvage, we discovered a very rich um, amount of it. It's a very rare, it's like found in the center of stars, typically. It's a very rare substance, and it's... And it's it uh, always is. It always <laughs> is. And, and, but then, just so happens, these, these, these aliens that we can't figure out, because every time we kill them, even if we just damage them, they implode. So you know, we can't really figure out them right now. We don't. We know they're sentient. We know that you know they're they're um, they're obviously very intelligent, very sophisticated. But we don't know who the actual like like queen is. Like we don't know that in the game, and we don't know why they have Infinium. But they do have it. It happens to be again the resource that uh, is the one resource that we have to renew in our ship because obviously time is time, and the other two systems just use time. And so, as we gather, as we kill ships, we get more infinity. Okay, so that's the the thing that you're collecting out of the the ships when they explode. Is that automatically collected? Do you have to manually collect it in in the game? It, it's automatic. However, again, there's a, there's a super tech ability which allows you to double your collection rate. So the timing of that, you can actually like blow up a whole bunch of ships and time it just right and like triple the amount of infinium that you have like in, in a few seconds and. And there, so so we we just have like one of our artists just has this combo that gives them a ton of infinium, and and infinium is also used to upgrade your um, your ship. So so you you save a lot of it, and all of a sudden your entire ship gets upgraded, which by the way gives you more turrets. And so so hmm. there there's a lot of it, it is a, it is a journey, right? Every time you start, the, especially the longer missions. You have to decide, do I want a stronger ship now? Do I want stronger turrets now? Do I want to 
save my fleet points and use them to upgrade my fleet because when you upgrade your fleet your ships get stronger they last longer they're drones right there's no pilots in them so they just kind of self-destruct after they run out of power but if you upgrade them they become more powerful and so let's save all my let, let's upgrade to level five um uh fleet ships and let's use turrets for everything else and, and that's a totally valid strategy that means you're spending all your infinium to upgrade your turrets and you're trying to save up your fleet points so you can upgrade it and then your end game can be very fleet heavy very cool very cool so is um is upgrading the ship is that something that uh carries through from from mission to mission or are all of your upgrades always kind of mission specific when you when you start a new level or start a new mission you're kind of right. starting over right uh, how does um, that work? every every um it's, it's a bit arcade style and when i say arcade style i mean when you start your mission you're always starting with the level one ship with no turrets in place Okay. And so, and like you put a quarter into a machine and you have three lives, right? It's, it's like that. And funny that I use that reference because we actually have what we call deep space arcade mode, which is um, a lot like the classic arcade games. It, it's a, it's a, a giant pattern. So everybody who plays this has exactly the same pattern. And so if you're playing deep space for an hour and your friend is playing for, you know, an hour and 10 minutes, your friend is definitely better than you. Okay? Just like playing Pac-Man or Asteroids. It's exactly. I wouldn't say the, the gameplay is exactly the same, but the way the ships come out are exactly the same pattern, and so um, so it's really apples to apples uh, leaderboard competition in our game. So it's it's not randomized. It's a it's a very comparable thing from one game to another. Correct. It, it, yes. Correct. The, the, well, the missions are very. The mission objectives are very uh, unique. So there, okay. it's not just like kill all of them. There's sure. some where you have to upgrade freedom strike to level five in a certain amount of time there's one where you have to escape the supernova there's another one uh where you have to rescue the scientists so you have to keep uh, your, your ship damage to a minimum or else your scientists start dying that you're trying to rescue um and and uh and, but when you when when you actually um again play this kind of deep space arcade mode that's when you set down and you can say i have this score can you beat it because uh, like asteroids and Pac-Man, and they're, they're, they're patterned, and, and it's, it's how, how, how far can you go? How, how long can you stay alive? Very cool. Very cool. So it, how, how many different kind of game modes do we have? Obviously, you know, we've got kind of a, a story um, mm-hmm. mode, but what, what else is there to the game? There, there, so there's a full campaign mode, which uh, is 10 missions, and mm-hmm. uh, each mission has, as I mentioned, different objectives. Some of them have multiple objectives. Um, and so, you know, it, it's like you kill a certain number of units and you upgrade a certain number of things and so on. Uh, and then there's four levels of difficulty. And in fact, uh, one thing I will mention is that um, the so, so you, go, you go from recruit to captain to commander to admiral. And so in admiral mode, we have an entirely new weapon that from the ROG, which shoots uh, from the portal. So it comes from beyond. You don't know where it comes. It's their, you know, Death Star. It's their super weapon. It comes out of the portal, and guess what? No defense. It wipes out every single turret on your turret bank. And so your, your obvious best defense is to sell everything before it hits and then rebuild as quickly as you can. And so uh, that's on the hardest level. Uh, you, you won't see that unless you, you actually finish um, the, the captain and, and commander mode. And then we have uh, deep space arcade mode, which uh, is, is, is um, theoretically endless, but it's uh, you know arcade style and 
and um, and it has leaderboards, and, and you can challenge your friends. So those are the two two game modes that we have. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, now, how long would you say the the kind of ten um, missions would be? Because I, I guess from a, a general just tower defense game, most of the time it would be, you know, one tower defense session takes, I don't know, five minutes or so. What what kind of yeah. objectives do we have uh, besides just kill lots of enemies or, you know, build up so far your or build up your ship so far. Uh, what what other kind of goals do you have in the midst yeah. of not dying? <laughs> so the um, the fact that we actually level up, uh, if you play some of the, the higher levels of like Kingdom Rush, for example, and you get your, your hero to level 10, it takes a bit of time. Some of those missions could be a bit longer. Hmm. Um, we, we have uh, quite a bit of leveling up, right? As I mentioned, uh, you know, leveling your, your main ship, Freedom Strike, uh, as well as uh, the turrets and, and the fleets and all that, and so uh, in some of the higher levels, uh, you they're you know pushing an hour for one mission, and so and this uh, and when you go into the more uh, w- when you finish those missions, uh, you can play at a harder level, which adds uh, some more challenges. Like I said, like like the new um, the new superpower from the ROG that, that takes out all your all, all your turrets, and so and so there's some new challenges as you get better. Um, as, as far as like uh, gameplay hours, uh, we we're uh, we don't like to you know everybody's different, but sure. based on our testers, uh, there's several dozen hours of, of gameplay. It's it's not a you know you some of the missions you can't finish in under an hour, so you, oh, wow. you, just kind, of, you kind of figure you you know, a couple of times you don't quite make it right, you got to play it again, change your tactics, uh, you know, and, and 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 those are the harder ones, of course, but but we. we we spend a lot of, you know, I worked on a lot of strategy games, and, and obviously a big part of that is getting that balance just right. And we get a lot of feedback, a lot of, a lot of, we had an open beta, and we have a lot of people giving us very good feedback to try to get that right. And, and if you can't, is this not your type of game where you want something a little leisurely, you know, we have the recruit mode, which is more like your early levels in tower defense games where it's not too hard. You know, it's you, you can play the entire campaign and get all the cutscenes and the story, and, and you don't have to play on the hard levels to get all that. Hmm. You play at your own pace, but uh, in order to get all the stars and to be able to say, you know, I'm Admiral, I'm a Galactic Commander, which is like the highest, uh, you know, title that you can make. There's a whole titling system as you go from recruit all the way up to Galactic Commander. Um, you have to you have to finish the higher level missions to to get the sort of, you know, Admiral levels and, and all that. So very cool. Very cool. Now, now you mentioned some missions can take upwards of an hour. Is there a way that you know if if something calls you away, whether it's it's work or something else, is there any way to like save in the middle of a, a mission? Um, we uh, you can pause. Uh, okay. we, we don't we, the, 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 for various reasons. We, um, we we like to you know again, it, it's not an arcade game, but there's elements of like that feeling of okay, I want to get I want to finish this mission this time. And mm-hmm. so, so, so we, uh, and there's also, um, um, it just gives us a nice way to say, okay, you finish the mission, you get your stars, you get your achievements, and it's, it's very clean that way. So it's just more of a design decision that we don't save data all the time. We save at the end of the mission. Okay, sure. But that, you know, again, the early missions are, are short, right? You teach you right, how to play right. five, ten minutes and to get, get the flavor. So not all of them are like an hour. And you can replay those as many as you want, uh, as many times as you want, and there's sub- there's, there's three stars within every mission, so 
like one of the stars, for example, is 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 your armor fifty percent or more. So you can you can finish the mission but only have five percent armor, but you don't get all you don't get the second star for that. So mm. so you, you can replay it again to try to get um, all three stars. Um, the the way that the star ranking works, do you have to complete all three objectives in one playthrough, or can I can I get one star in one playthrough and then play it again and you know tactically go after that other star? And I still get both stars in the end, or how, how does that work? Yep, that's a good question. It, it, so it tracks. You get one star for finishing the level, and, and it tracks as a success, mm. and you can move on. So it's your choice if you want to go back and get the other two stars. Uh, one star again, it's, it's tied to um, getting uh, uh, minimal damage, like less than fifty percent damage, uh, by the end of the mission. Mm-hmm. And the other star is typically a uh, infinium infinium hoarding. Uh, number so the more infinium you hoard, i.e., the more efficient you manage your infinium, uh, you can get the third star. So, so you know on uh, so what when people learn the mission, they're like, okay, I want to optimize that mission to get that third star. And when you get that third star, you, you know, your ranking goes up a lot faster, and you get um, you actually we have this 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 um, this uh, resource. Uh, it's, it's not really a resource, but we have a credit system where you can actually. Um, hoard your credits and save them up for the missions that you have uh, the most trouble with. So we don't we don't penalize you if you don't use your, your super shields and um, uh, sorry your super armors to kind of uh, replenish your shields. They're like lives in you know Pac-Man or Donkey Kong. Uh, we don't penalize you if you don't use them. However, uh, if you have trouble with a certain mission, uh, typically uh, uh, an average player is going to have several dozen of these. Uh, hoarded up so they can they can say oh in mission six I'm having trouble I got to use all three or four of my super armors just to try to get through but you know that that's another way to kind of um, uh, allocate your resources the way you want to cool cool um, what kind of a like the the with as far as the different kind of guns and options go or the different kind of um, say turrets go with the ship mm-hmm. are those options that are all open at once um, do you kind of gate them depending on the mission or is that something you kind of have to buy into as far as kind of saving up stuff to do it right so the um, all the weapons are available on the same schedule and so and the schedule is tied to the level of your ship so for example every mission starts at um, in, uh, at freedom strike level one and you have four tur- turret bays per side, and you have four turrets. You have the basic turrets and you have a basic anti-missile turret. As you get additional levels during gameplay, you you open up another turret bank, or sorry, another turret pad in, uh, in all four banks, and then you also open up more turrets. And so, um, and you also uh, kind of give yourself the ability to use more uh, tech abilities. So. So, the, it's, it's, so once people um, learn uh, how to unlock things uh, based on how quickly you upgrade Freedom Strike, um, it becomes again very tactical. Do I do I put more turrets down now, or do I save up a little bit? You know, save up my Infidium to make that big upgrade. Which, by the way, upgrades your armor, upgrades your shield, and again gives you more uh, more weapons, more more tur- turret pads, and as well as more um, uh, TSF super tech. Um, in addition to all that, not to be too complicated, but on the higher levels, we allow you to unlock in whatever order you want. 
So you can unlock the TSF Super Tech in any order you want. So if you have a favorite order that you want to unlock it, again, this is a higher level feature, but when you get to Admiral uh, level, uh, we let you do that. So everything's a lot harder, but then if you have a, if you like to have sort of your, your super shield, which takes 30% of your shields, but, but explodes about 90% of enemies in your quadrant automatically, you can have that right in level one. You can have that right away. You have to wait 90 seconds for it to power up. But once it's powered up, it, every 90 seconds you get the super gun really early, and that's one. You know, that's something that you choose. Like, or or, or you, there's another one where you get double your infinium, right? I mentioned that earlier as well. Some mm-hmm. people like to get infinium, and they want that's the first thing they want. They want to just keep on hitting that infinium, that double infinium button, and just keep on getting more and more. Sweet, sweet. Brian, do you have any more questions about the, the game itself before we jump into Kickstarter? Or no, no, the, let's go to Kickstarter. Okay, okay. absolutely. So I mean, uh, you guys got you guys got funded. So let's you know we did get funded. <laughs> yes, that's step um, one out of the way. That's great. <laughs> yeah, we we so we it's our first Kickstarter. Several team members have done previous Kickstarters, but this was our first Kickstarters at, at, at Codex Worlds, and uh, I would say. Um, you know, we learned an awful lot. Um, I think the biggest thing about our goals for our product were that we, we really wanted to um, have a demo for the players. So uh, we, we noticed a very small percentage of Kickstarters actually have a playable. Like a lot of them have videos and they have like interviews with the And we did all that as well, but we, we wanted to have a demo. And, you know, it, it, it obviously takes a long time to get a fully playable debug demo that you that anybody can play, but we but we did that. So so but the, the good news is we didn't have to go for full funding because we were we were able to uh, with various uh, self funded methods able to get us to alpha. So to really like late alpha, we created a demo and that was our thing. So anybody who came to our page, it was like, hey, try our demo first before you pledge, and, and people did and. And, and we had a lot of great feedback, and, and we uh, we decided to um, have uh, a lot of tiers where people can give copies to their friends, and we give T-shirts, and, and all the fun stuff that that you know um, is, is. I have a lot of I, I buy a lot of I, I pledge to a lot of Kickstarter projects, and it's a lot of fun getting little extras. So, sure, sure. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that I, we generally hear about, uh, whether it's it, it's in the people that we. Uh, or from the people that we interview or in, you know, various news articles online is that oftentimes uh, giving those rewards out can be kind of taxing. What, what kind of rewards did you guys have for your for your backers and, and what's it been like kind yeah. of working towards those? So we um, uh, we, we thought a lot about it and, and we, we knew that that shipping was kind of a big deal. And so we only have one item that we actually ship, which is, which is a T-shirt. Which we're, you know, which would um, you might have saw it earlier, but I was wearing it. So we, we have a T-shirt. It's been done. It, it, we need to do a run to send out to everybody. But um, so that's exciting. Uh, everything else is digital. So we, as I mentioned, we have multiple copy. Uh, you know, sort of the four the four pack. We've got uh, a novella that we're developing. We have we have a couple of uh, accomplished writers on our team, and so we have a novella in, in the works. We have an art book in the works. We have a custom. Uh, custom uh, a wallpaper and so you know these are these are and, and these are really good things and 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 for a few people we we're lucky enough to uh, sort of get uh, a more comprehensive uh, like like support codex worlds forever type of type of tier and 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 they get all the all the expansion packs that we do and, and they get any sequels that we do and 
all, and, and in fact, any other products that we do as well as a company. So, so that's that's pretty exciting. Um, sure, yeah, that's that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, and some of the other companies are doing that. It's really smart because if 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 if, if a company makes like role playing games, for example, and you you love their role playing games. You give it if you have the money, and it's like, well, hey, I'm going to get you know, the next whatever ten years worth of role playing games for these guys. You know, you know, put the money in, and you get you just wait for them to make it. So I did that with Ultima, right? I, I, I think it was five parts. I, I, I paid for the all, all five parts, and so they're. You know, I'm waiting for them to finish the first part. I knew they were going to be late, but 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 I'm such a, a big Ultima fan that I'll, I'll wait five or ten years for them to finish those five parts. They sure. have my money already, so. <laughs> Very nice, very nice. Um, now you mentioned that uh, you guys didn't have to go for full funding. Correct. What what did Kickstarter? What has it allowed you to do uh, that you wouldn't have been able to do without it? We, we a lot of polish. We we hmm. extended the amount of time that we uh, used for. And you guys play strategy games. I mean, you guys remember first Starcraft with with the Zergling Rush, right? I mean, you would think. Oh, absolutely. How expert are these guys? How many hundreds of testers they have? And it took them. Why didn't a year I think of that before? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It took them a year and a half to fix the Zergling Rush problem. I mean, it, it's not a simple thing to fix. To say, okay, we have all these units and we have all these variables, and they're going to magically all just work, and everybody's going to be happy. Um, in fact, you know, even the best uh, companies uh, spend months, if not years, getting the patch just right. And you know, Diablo Three is another example. So, so we have no qualms. Uh, we we added a good four or five months to the schedule. Uh, based on the funding, uh, and that includes more music. Uh, we have like six new new soundtracks. Uh, we we have a much. Uh, we added a custom controller mode, so we have not just one controller mode, but two. So totally custom. You just select A or B uh, based on feedback, and and you know just tons of uh, little um, uh, additions to that actual feedback uh, of the interface. You know, um, and people are like, hey, I don't, I didn't, I didn't realize that my my turret got evaporated. And said, well, we have the time to add an effect. And now we have a 25-second effect that says, you know, there used to be a turret here. You might be looking at another quadrant right now, but when you come here, there's going to be like a smoking turret where your, your beautiful turret used to be. Well, you know, we got that from feedback, and, uh, and, and, and we wouldn't have – we would have had to ship earlier if we didn't get the funding. And we, we, I can tell you, based on our timing, we wouldn't have gotten a lot of these additional um, – uh, user feedback uh, mechanisms, which which people um, love, like okay, I understand now. I'm not lost. I lost my turret. It got it got vaporized. So, gotcha. Very cool. Very cool. Has has anything from Kickstarter led to the the Xbox agreement that you guys have been you know working with and and getting in touch with Microsoft? Was that something that was already in the works? Uh, um, did, did you it know, have any effect there? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, we really don't know what the formula is over there. I mean, obviously, I've sure. done a lot of work with Microsoft and Sony in the past, but the people are different, and the you know the indie things are totally new, and they have new procedures, and and uh, you know, and I'm not Ubisoft, so uh, so the so all the processes are different, and but they do ask you, you know, they do they do take an account, um, you know, success in Kickstarter, and they want to know uh, your website, and they want to. So I, I think they've been, you know, we, we're, we're approved on both platforms, and that they were fairly recently. And I'm very excited about that. And 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 we're, we we think, uh, like I said, Kickstarter helped us get the the additional months to add the polish, and to get the feedback. And and they were, and they of course were approved on Steam, so we were able to provide Steam codes to them. And you know, they they can play the game. You know, we, we weren't uh, like a lot of the concept, 
lot of the submissions are concept submissions. You know, like this is our design doc, and this is what we're going to make. When we uh, submitted to to both Microsoft and Sony, we had a full. It was well after our our Kickstarter success, so we had again additional polish and and, and I don't want to say finished, but it, we had they could play all the missions. Uh, all the missions have been have been uh, done by the time we submitted. Um, a little rough in some areas, but definitely fully playable to the end. Sweet. Very cool. Has anything, um, have there been any complications that have kind of arisen since, uh, since you guys did the Kickstarter or anything weird that you just didn't expect? Um, not that we didn't expect, uh, the, the really the, uh, from a, just from a personal, like indie experience, you know, anecdote or story, the amount of time it takes to do shows, to get your products ready to submit for contests, to get your web, keep your website updated, social media. I mean, I mentioned we have five people who, who work on our team who, who do that, but it's it's an amazing amount of work. And, and I think in you know it's a bit crowded right now. It's been for a few years for indies. I think it's it's absolutely essential that we didn't realize how like. Like making the game, I don't want to say it's easy, but in some ways, um, you need to take uh, the social media and, and marketing and publishing as seriously as as the fun in the game. If you don't, I think there's a chance that uh, no one will know what you're working on. Sure, sure, sure. Awesome. All right, well, Brian, you uh, you ready to go into the end game? Yes. Let's do it. We like to end uh, all of our interviews with a bit of a questionnaire. Okay. And it's more focused on you than the uh, than the product or, or service. Okay. Uh, in this case, the you know space liquid metals. Um, so feel free, you know, to to take your time with it. Um, answer as, as truthfully as you can, and, sure. and don't let us, um, you know, don't let our judging get in the way of your <laughs> answer. And so just put it that way. Sure. Um, question number one: Who is your favorite video game protagonist? Protagonist? Yes. Who's your favorite good guy or anti-hero? Or, yeah. Or uh, Nathan, you're playing Nathan Drake. Hmm. Excellent. He's, yeah, he's I, a I great just guy. love the, the mixture of storytelling, of kind of mixing you know action with with adventure, and uh, it's not just production values; it's, it's the the voice acting and. This all comes together, and, it's just... and we we get to meet his brother Troy Baker this year. Wow, fun! <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah, absolutely. Question number two: Flipping the coin. Um, who's your favorite antagonist? Um, your favorite bad guy. A bit old school, but I would say Weird Now from from Wizards. If you go that far, that's back. really old school. Holy crap! Okay, I'm kind of old school, but I just I just love the persona and just the, the way they kind of did. You know, they didn't have a lot of graphics, so it was a ton of foreshadowing and just really really great job and uh, the with the return of Werna and and proving grounds of the mad overlord you know so old school that is fantastic absolutely um question number three um are there um any kind of trends in video game today that you think um aren't big enough that that kind of need to to get bigger or, or become like kind of proliferate more well, I think the obvious one, um, and, and I'm certainly um, I, I'm no expert, but uh, we've we've analyzed VR and AR quite a bit, and you know, you know, Palmer Lucky is saying, you know, the biggest problem with VR is your hardware. I mean, he's he's like, <laughs> the marketplace is not ready to to run, you know, 
1080p uh, in, in two in, on two screens simultaneously at 90 90 hertz. So yep. So I, so I think uh, the reality is is and I've been through every console transition. You know, I've been around since the the 8-bit Nintendo days. So um, I've seen every sing, single console transition uh, transition. And, and one of the things that Nintendo, Sega, or whoever it was at the time, Microsoft, Sony, uh, they had to. You know, they had to plan for that. They had to, like, make make the hardware judgment not always correct. But, you know, Dreamcast was a little ahead of its time. And, you know, but it was a great machine. and But it at least works. You know, a lot of people are, are going to spend five ninety nine and and get, you know, 60 hertz and start, you know, getting sick. So, yeah. <laughs> I was going to sure. say, for, for, for a good number of years now, that's kind of been um, where all the big tech guys have said that the future is going to be going. And I think it's neat that we're we're starting to get there, but it's still not in a position yet where I think kind of the mainstream can grab onto it. Because it's it's a it's a hard proposition to sell somebody, especially when they don't have something to put on their faces. Well, sure, and, and not only that, but imagine if you um, it's like trying a, a new like like electric car or something, a new technology, and if it doesn't work. How, who knows how long the stigma is going to last? Oh, exactly. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, if the first time you put on like, VR, if you're if you're throwing up, yeah. you're not going to want to, you know, try that again. And it's, it's like, well, have to kind of get it back on you. Back. So, yeah. First time that like you know that self-driving car from Google slams into something. <laughs> yep. Exactly. You'd be like, well, you know, maybe I'll just go back to steering myself. Nope. There, there goes another dog. You know. And so. Oh God. Question number four: um, Are there any, on the flip side? On the flip side, is there any kind of um, like trope in video games today that you'd like to see just kind of go away? Um, <clears throat> well, I, I think the um, for me, it's, it's always been. I, I love uh, tablet and and mobile gaming. Uh, I, I I just love it. Except there's a real lack of originality right now. Uh, there, a lot of it is based on. 20 different versions of the same game mechanic or the same structure. In fact, there's a lot of lawsuits going back and forth about, hey, you're just changing the artwork, but exactly the same places where the buttons are and where the rewards come. And and I, I would just, you know, I, I think video games have a long history of being proud. You know, I'm not going to say that every game's original. I mean, that's not true, but every game, uh, every good game, I think, tries to add their own kind of uniqueness to it and it's not just about creating friction so that users have to pay to be you know better at the game and, and I exactly think, uh, i think that i wish that would go away and and and, and i love and, and i don't want to name names but I, I love those games but i i i you know i like a lot of other gamers you start seeing you pierce the veil right you start seeing where hey you know they didn't really need to do that they did that because they want me to put, chuck in a dollar so that i can get to the next level so yep Sure. And once that once that breaks, once it becomes kind of uh, more than just a, a a fun or a time transaction, once it kind of breaks that veil and you start questioning just what the the whole thing is based off of, then it all falls apart. Like, and and yeah, I think I for a lot of companies, it, it has. I mean, I I think if you look at the if you look at the top one hundred, I mean, the vast majority of them were around two years ago and three years ago. So imagine the thousands of titles that have come out that have tried to break into that, you know, the coveted top 100. That didn't yep. make it. And where you look at video games, I mean, everybody assumes in six months there's going to be a new King of the Hill because that's how it works. And that means mm-hmm. every company has to work to get the next 
the next Witcher or the, or the next, you know, Uncharted or whatever. Um, and and, and I, I like that. I, I like. I, frankly, I think I think we should work there and earn people people's money every time. So, sure, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, question number five. Mm-hmm. Um, you you know you, you kind of uh, you started out in marketing. You got chosen to go yep. into the the kind of more creative side of things. Yep. Uh, not to say that marketing is not creative because those some of the stuff they do to get stuff out there is pretty amazing. But that's neither here nor there. Um, if you had no restrictions in front of you, is there any other dream career you'd like to try? <laughs> That's a great question. <clears throat> well, you know, I, I I think people always dream, so I always dream I, I would have more time to actually write and be a writer. So I would I would love to be a science fiction writer or a fantasy writer. So that's you know I I, I don't spend enough of my enough of my time writing. And I certainly uh, don't have the schooling in it and or the experience. Uh, I do an awful lot of writing, but I don't, I'm not a writer. I certainly am not a writer, and and that's a career that, if I had to do it over again, I would love to to do that. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, next question: um, If you had the chance, um, is there what video game um, would you like to go back and play, kind of for the first time? Ha ha ha. That's a great question. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I so it would it would it would definitely be an Apple II uh, product um, because I, I miss those days an awful lot. Um, and uh, um, I mean, I'll I'll pick a fairly popular game. Obviously, there's a lot that are like like obvious, like like Ultima or Wizardry or something. But there's a game called Minor Twenty Forty Nine er. If you want to look yep. it up, if you've ever played it, it's a it's a really a precursor to a lot of the kind of fun platform action games that are out there. And it was it was you know it was a two D platform game that was super creative for its time, and, and on the Apple II. So minor twenty forty nine. That is an excellent choice. Thank you. Well done. Well done. <laughs> uh, final question. At the end of our lives, when we come to the gates of the Mushroom Kingdom. And Toad is there to greet us with the book of our deeds. What would you like him to say to you before he lets you in? Ah, you know, I, I would like them to say that uh, you know, of, of of all the things that you've done in gaming, um, the the the, I would like to have at least one game. Hopefully, that people will can honestly say that's an original title. That that that. Um, that made its mark. It doesn't have to be financially successful. It's just people would say, "Hey, that was fun. It was kind of unique." That that's what I would like them to say to me. And you and you're and you're in, <laughs> as opposed to and that's it. You're, you're done. You're dead. <laughs> yep. And you and you don't get in because you weren't original enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. You've uh, you've passed uh, the test, as it were. Um, unfortunately, we don't have any major prizes to give you except for our our natural respect and admiration. However, uh, as a token of our generous esteem, um, Jonathan will uh, now take us home. Awesome. Well, Dex, thank you so much for for joining us and talking about Infinium Strike. If you could send us out by letting our listeners know where they can go to find out more information about the game. Absolutely. www.infiniumstrike.com I-N-F-I-N-I-U-M strike.com 
Fantastic. Well, thank you once again, and, and good luck as you guys kind of finish up development and go to all of your various conventions that uh, you're, you're going to be going to here soon. Hopefully it doesn't make you sick and, you know, interrupt development too much. That's right. That's so, right. Uh, I'll take my vitamins. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks again, and uh, have a good night. Yeah, thank you, guys. Bye-bye. <laughs>